All right. We were going to go ahead and continue with long gospel, but I decided to change everything. On Wednesday, we, uh, we finished Hippolytus on Hippolytus, the apostolic tradition, and his section on baptism. So that means we went through three historical sources on the subject of baptism. We went through the Didache, we went through uh, Tertullian on baptism, and we looked at Hippolytus, apostolic tradition, on baptism. We went through all those historical sources to kind of figure out basically what the early church thought about baptism. We saw the massive difference between the Didache to Hippolytus. We saw that the early church practiced nude baptisms where everyone had to take off their clothes. We, we saw all the, the, like, I guess you have to be exercised of a demon. You have to do, go through three, year, or three years to prove yourself even before you know, you can hear the gospel, all of the, the different things that was going on in the early church. And so immediately we realized that there's not, there wasn't a consensus, at least between 60 AD and Hippolytus was what, 225? I don't, I don't have the date. 215? Uh, so between 60 AD and 215, there was a lot of evolution and change happening about baptism, and you could ar- argue there wasn't a consensus. Some may try to argue there was, but I believe between 60 AD and 215, clearly those three sources are not in agreement. So we can immediately, we can immediately come to the conclusion if there was no agreement in those first 215 years, 200 and 20 years, that it would be foolish for anyone to say, well, the early church thought this, so this is the practice we should adopt. So we would argue then that we would have to look to what? We would have to look to scriptures alone. Now we know there's not agreement on scripture on this. I mean, 2,000 years of church history, no one yet agrees even on what the Bible says in regards to baptism. Now I believe, personally, that most of the conflict about baptism is not so much because of what the Bible says. I think it's because we're borrowing from either church history or tradition and imposing that on the text. And if you, if you, and we, we have to realize this. If you impose something on the text, every time you read it, you're going to see what you've imposed on the text. And we're all, every, every denomination, every church is guilty of that. Because it's very hard sometimes to realize that you're not seeing that in the text, but you're reading it into the text. Because preachers do that, everyone does it. You, you have an idea, you have a concept, you, you place it on the Bible, and then magically, when you read the Bible, it's there. Well, I wonder why, because you placed it there. So I, I, I believe so many of the issues are more of that. Because, I mean... Look, I mean, those, th- those three historical sources, they were at times confusing. I mean, Tertullian, we, sometimes we didn't even know what he was saying. Hippolytus was much more clear, but you read Hippolytus and we were like, what in the world, what is he saying? I mean, like, you know, because, I mean, it, it, it's probably shocking from our mindset to realize that they baptize people in the nude. Like, that would be like, that's a crazy concept in our minds, Right. It's a crazy concept that you had to basically prove yourself three years before you were even allowed to hear the gospel. That like that goes against it even goes against our understanding of salvation. So there's so much about the early church when you actually go read the sources, and that's why I'm constantly trying to tell people you can't listen to what people tell you about the early church. You got to go read the sources for yourself because people do a lot of picking. 
paragraphs from the church fathers. Well, if you pick paragraphs from the church fathers, well, you can make them say whatever you want them to say. And, and so when, when it comes with the early church, we always have to remember, we have to let them be who they are. We can't try to make them what we are. And as much as, as people don't like that, and when we go back to that period of time, we can understand why there would be a lot of confusion, right? Because we notice that there's not a completed canon, right? We don't even really start getting to a completed canon until you're in the 300s. And you got the letter that Athanasius wrote where you kind of go like, okay, here's the books. And you also have to realize that even when you start having these letters written by the apostles and you start getting the books of the New Testament written, that they weren't just like a publishing house that they could get them published and sent everywhere, right? They were sent to certain churches and then copies had to be made and then where they went. So one location may have this, another. So there was going to be a lot of confusion. And not only that, you had persecution in those first at least 300 years. And so once, once the persecution is lifted, then you get the Council of Nicaea. Then the church starts establishing some of its kind of theology. There is no question you get to around 325, 330, 340, 350 AD. Well, we know infant baptism becomes the dominant, becomes dominant throughout much of church history. We, we definitely understand that. But there's just no way to say Again, you can't say, well, because the early church did this, then we must do it because we can go back to the early church and find all kinds of things that we would say, absolutely not. So here's what we want to, so since we've gone through those uh, historical sources, I just want to try to finish our look at baptism in the early church by doing this. I'm going to, we're going to go from Matthew to Revelation, and we're going to look up every verse that mentions baptism baptized, any, any tense, any version of the word. And we're going to make sure we write down the date for the books. We started this on Wednesday, right? Remember, I started having us look up the dates for the, the books. So we'll start in Matthew. Let's look up, let's find every verse that mentions Baptist, baptism, baptize, every tense. And, let's, and what we're going to do, if someone will, will, will take good notes... We're just going to try to determine, based off the text alone, what conclusion we could or could not come to. Now, we're going to immediately see we're going to have some problems, especially when we get to Peter. We're going to have some problems. Acts creates some problems. Mark 16 creates some problems. But we, we will see what our options are with said problems. All right? Because we definitely have looked at church history. So now we're just going to look at the text. All right? and see what we can find. So if you have uh, any of the Bible apps, start looking up all the different tenses for baptist, bab- or baptism, baptized, and um, we'll start and just go through it and see what we can find. Yeah, yeah. Uh, someone else could look up, uh, you, get, you said baptized. If someone else can look up. Baptism, all right. That gets us asleep started. I know we're starting late, so we're not going to make it very far. But let's just see what we can do. Because then we can all walk away. Put it this way. We can put this up because most churches don't do it this way. So what we can do is we can establish not only here, but for everyone listening on the internet, that they can take these messages and go, here is what every verse in the Bible in regards to the subject. And then no matter what people want to debate, we can at least establish this is what every verse has to say, all right? 
and I'll try to ask some questions that I think are overlooked sometimes in regards to this subject, all right? So we know the first place that we see baptism or it's even mentioned in the New Testament. Now, some will try to go to the Old Testament and try to find some practice that connects. We'll, we'll worry about that later. But obviously, we know we're going to start in the New Testament. So we know we're in the Gospel of Matthew. First, remember the date for the writing of the Gospel of Matthew. It's between 50 and 65 A.D., between 50 and 65 A.D., this puts it pretty close to the time of what uh, document? The Didache or the Didache, depending on how you want to pronounce it, right? The Didache or the Didache. Now, that's one of the earliest writings that we have, and we do know this. Didache, Didache is very simple, straightforward. By no means is it as convoluted as Tertullian, and clearly it's not as elaborate as uh, Hippolytus. Hippolytus goes, I mean, what in the world's going on there? I mean, that is a convoluted system. It is pretty, well, for the Didache, it's pretty simple, right? Instruction, fasting, baptism, and it seems clearly that it implied what kind of baptism? Immersion. Clearly it implied it. I mean, no question. And it's supposed to be in flowing water, cold water. Right? There were some of those basic things from the Didache. All right. So let's see what we find when we get to Matthew. Because Matthew would... And the reason I like Matthew, because if you look at the Didache, I clearly it seems influenced by Matthew. Uh, I think clearly. Uh, because it's almost like the Sermon on the Mount there. All right. So let's, let's go through this. Obviously, the very first place it shows up is where? It's got to be Matthew before we get to... Okay, Matthew. Yeah, right. All right. It has to be Matthew. Okay, all right. Here we go. All right. Um, So we'll start in verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet. Okay, which prophet? Isaiah. Okay. Saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And, uh, and, the same, and the same John had a remnant of camel's hair, a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. We could spend a couple of years on that verse, okay? Um, yeah, we won't get into all the possible reasons. He, it gives us all of that description, but okay. Verse 5, then went out to him in Jerusalem, or then went out to him Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the regions round about Jordan. So he's out there preaching. Everyone comes out to him, all right? And it gives this great description of his clothing, his diet, which all seems odd, okay? And then verse 6, all these people come out to him, and then look at it, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. All right, now, let's do, we'll just go ahead and do this. We'll do a couple of things. First, Let's look up the Greek word baptized. That's translated baptized. Let's just get this out of the way. Well, we're just going to go with the word used right there, baptized. We'll go with the tense that, that is used there. I'm going to pull up the Blue Letter Bible app here. I'm going to go to New Testament, Matthew. That's verse what? That's verse 6. I'm going to pull up the interlinear. And it says, we're baptized. We probably, you probably know what this Greek word is, right? You probably know, you should know. It is 
Strong's G907. Baptizo. Baptizo. Baptizo, right? Baptizo. It is used, baptizo is used 80 times. 80 times. It is translated the following ways. You ready? 76 times, baptize. Two times, wash. One time, baptist. One time, baptized. Right? Baptizo is used 80 times. All right? What's the Strong's definition for baptizo? To immerse. Submerge. To make whelmed, fully wet. Used only in the New Testament of ceremonial ablution, especially technically of the ordinance of Christian baptism. Baptist, baptize, wash. Now, this is what blows my mind. This is what literally blows my mind, right? Because, look, look, I understand when we open up our Bibles. Look, I, look, I am so aware that there are plenty of things in the Bible that are difficult to understand. We can all agree with that, right? We can agree that throughout 2,000 years of church history, there's very little agreement on anything. Agreed? Can we agree that there's very little agreement? Okay. But I cannot process in my mind, how the very first time baptism is mentioned, the Greek word is baptizo, and immediately we look up the definition, and it literally says to immerse, to make fully wet. That's literally what the Greek word is. And yet, for the majority of Christianity, if you look at Christendom, right, what, a billion Catholics? How many Greek Orthodox? How many Lutherans? How many Methodists? How many Anglican? How many Episcopalian? How many Church of England? They go, well, just go through all these different groups, and they all do what? Sprinkle. Like, how do you, like, I don't know how to process that. Like, we can't agree that baptizo means immerse. Like, that's what it means. Like, if we can't agree there, look, what are we doing? Like, sometimes you just have to ask, what, how broken can Christianity be? Like, if we can't agree on that. Oh, oh, I forgot Presbyterians. Yeah, they're the ones who, in the reform world, makes the most noise, right? And claim that, that because we're Baptists, we're not truly Reformed. Because, you know, if we're truly Reformed, we'd be baptizing babies. Because, you know, that's, that's what we would really do. And, I, and I'm like, no, maybe, maybe the problem is, after the Reformation, many of those who came out of the Reformation maintain too much of Maybe you could argue they maintain too much of Catholicism. <laughs> maybe you could argue that, that they didn't reform enough. Because I just know that literally that's what the word means. Isn't that, I mean, I, do you struggle with that? And if you look outlines for biblical usage, to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, a vessel sunk, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself, bathe, to overwhelm. I mean, those are... I mean, look, this is from the interlinear. This is not written by a Baptist. Now, I understand that someone who is much more knowledgeable 
of Greek may say, well, okay, it could be, and may try to find an exception, but we shouldn't base our doctrine on an exception, right? Should we not base our doctrine on the rule? And it's like, and so a lot of times people will say, well, like, that's why, like, I don't understand how people can go to, I mean, I'm just going to say it, I'm going to tick off a lot of the Reformed people who listen to us, but I don't know how in the world you can go to a Presbyterian church. And some say, well, if you had to choose, what would you do? Well, I don't know, can I go to a church who can't even get baptizo right? Yeah. Right, but I mean, the point is, is what we could get, that's a whole separate argument. My thing is, is even if you're going to baptize a baby, you need to submerge the thing, okay, right? I mean, that's what you need to do because the sprinkling doesn't work. So like, whether you're going to do infant baptism or not, the word means to immerse. I mean, that's what it means. And if we can't even get that right, I just... I just, I don't understand. Like, at this point, it just makes you question even why we even preach and why we even teach. Like, it just makes you question, like, what's even the point? We, we're in Matthew 3, and we can't even agree on the meaning of a Greek word where everything that we're looking at seems to say what? Immerse. All right? So go back to Matthew 3. I know we, we're just stuck on one verse, but, and, and just, and I, I don't make a big deal out of this, and some of the Bible colleges I went to and Bible institutes, they did make a big deal out of this. Sometimes they call it the principle of first use. Everybody understand that concept? The first time something is mentioned is significant because it may determine how you should interpret it moving forward. I'm not saying it always works, but I'm just saying when it's this clear, <laughs> it's pretty good, right? Now, so not only does the word what else do you think would possibly indicate? I, I, well, I don't know if there's anything here that would possibly indicate. We know that uh, it just says there were baptized of him in Jordan. Now, that, there's another significance there that may indicate it, right? Because if you're sprinkling, you don't really need to go down into the river or down into the Jordan. or You don't need to, right? In fact, it says baptized in Jordan, in other words, into that body of water. You don't need to do that, right? Someone could be bringing buckets of water and just have people and just sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. That is, there's nothing in this text that indicates it's sprinkling. Not only that, what else is occurring? Oh, confession of sin. Now, why is that significant? What does it once again indicate about baptism? Not only does it seem to be indicating immersion, what else does it seem to be indicating? Well, it seems to be indicating that typically babies don't do a lot of confessing. Would we agree? So clearly it's indicating immersion, and clearly it's indicating that someone is what? Of an age and of a mental capacity to confess their sin. And this is the principle of first use. Now, I'm not saying we should build everything from John's baptism because we're gonna, I'm going to call into question some things here. But, it, but it, put it this way. Whatever baptism follows, 
you think it's going to be somewhat influenced by the first baptism that is mentioned, right? And then you can take John's baptism and it probably goes back to what? What do you think John, where do you think John's baptist, baptism? Because clearly him baptizing is somewhat unique because everyone's coming out to see it. Most believe it goes back to if you were a Gentile and you wanted to convert, convert to Judaism, guess what you had to go through? A ritual bathing, a ritual washing. And so they, they, they basically think John, and this is what made John so interesting, is because he's baptizing whom? Jews. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? You should be baptizing Gentiles. But he's trying to baptize them. In other words, going through the same kind of washing, the same kind of immersion to, to prepare them for the coming of Messiah, right? So that, that, so that seems to indicate, obviously, what follows John would most likely follow which uh, pattern? It would follow John the Baptist pattern, right? I mean, John the Baptist is the one setting the pattern, right? Who bo- probably borrowed his concept from where? Judaism and washing of the Gentiles. So clearly we have a pattern being set, Right? Uh, it says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able to raise, to, to, God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So he, 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 said, he goes on to say, And now the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not uh, forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he cometh after me as mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now stop right here. All right. This is the second use of baptize. Right? One was baptized, correct? Verse 6, baptize. This is, I indeed baptize you with water. So we want to make sure it's the same Greek word, right? Okay, I baptize you. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Same Greek word, right? Baptizo. All right, now, this is significant. So this is the second use. Now, I cannot express, or the third use, right? Third? Verse 6, baptize. Everybody with me? Verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water. That's baptizo, right? All right, so clearly, those first two, there's no question on the meaning of the words. There's no question on what's going on, yes? The third one is, is where things get really interesting, but it sets up a very important principle. What do you think is the significance about the third use? Okay, meaning that the word baptize, baptizo, can reference something that doesn't involve water. I cannot stress to you the significance of that concept. Because just because you see the word baptize or baptized or any, any variation, any tense, it doesn't always mean water. 
Now, the concept of immerse, overwhelm, would still be present, but it doesn't always have to be water. I cannot stress to you the importance of that. Why do you think that's important? Okay, well, definitely you've got to understand the context, but why would this be important? Well, obviously it deals with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but okay, go to Romans 6 so that everyone understands why this is significant. Well, what I'm trying to show you is doesn't always, just because you see the word baptized, it doesn't, mean water, it doesn't always mean water. Because sometimes there's verses that mention baptism that could create a lot of problems. Right? Let me just give you an example. Romans 6. Okay, so let me give you an example, starting in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. All right, everybody here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that at so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. All right, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, you may not see a problem with Romans 6, but guess how some people interpret Romans 6? Baptism, water baptism, is the thing that produces those results. Everybody understands that that's a common teaching, right? Baptismal regeneration concept, right? So how, how do you want to be, how do you want to die to sin? Be baptized. How do you want your sins to be forgiven? Be baptized. How do you want to have new life? Be baptized. Well, we can stop and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this referring to water baptism? Or is it simply using the term baptism to show that we're emerged or united with? Now, how many times does the word baptize, baptize, uh, show up in this section of Romans 6? Just twice? We have three. Well, hey, well, we'll, we'll talk about the Greek word in a minute. Okay, baptism, baptize, baptize. All right, three times. Now, is it the same Greek word all three times? Okay. So we need to look up every place it's used and see what the Greek word is every single time and see if they have similar meanings or is there drastic different meanings. Now, I want to stay in Matthew, but I just want to do this because it's important, all right? So where's the first place it's used in Romans 6? Verse 3. Does everybody agree it's used in verse 3? All right, so I'm going to go to Romans. We're going to go to Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Okay. As we're baptized, everybody got that? It, it's, uh, I got baptizo. Okay, Romans 6, 3. Know you not that so many of us as we're baptized? 
Okay, all right, so verse 3, okay, that's, that's baptizo, same Greek word, right? Into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Everybody see that? All right, so baptized into his death. Let's make sure it's the same Greek word. Baptizo. So verse 3, it's twice, and both times it's baptizo, we have no problem. But we immediately, why is it a good thing? Because it shows baptizo doesn't always reference water. Or at least, well, put it this way. I, Matthew shows us baptizo doesn't always reference water. So that means there's a possibility that we could interpret this as not referencing water. All right? Does that make sense? Okay. Now, the next place that you, the next place it's used is verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. All right? And this is... This Greek word. Strong's G908. Baptisma. 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 And it is used 23 times. 22 times it's translated. It's used 22 times. It's translated baptism all 22 times. And Strong's definition is technically or figuratively baptism, right? And guess what it means? Immersion or submersion is the outline of biblical usage. It's the same concept. All right? So, so there's no question that it means immerse to submerge. It, that, there's no question there. Right? So, but what I want to show you is baptizo, baptisma, even though it means immersion or, submi- or submersion, submerse or immerse, right? Even though it means that, it doesn't always mean water. I cannot stress to you the significance of that. So in other words, if you come across a verse that says the baptism that now saves us doesn't necessarily mean it's referencing water. If you read Romans 6 and someone says, no, 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 water baptism produces this, we could argue, is it water that produces this or is it our immersion immersion being submerged into Christ? That we are in Christ. Water baptism pictures our unity with Christ. It doesn't produce it. Now, if it produces it, then what would be, what would be the way? I mean, it would require a lot. A lot of things would come into play. If it, requ- if it produces it, then obviously anyone who's not baptized cannot be saved. No way. You cannot make an exception. People love to make the exceptions. Now, if you establish it as the rule, there can be no exception. All right, so that would be problem number one. Problem number two, well, then you could just baptize someone and then they'd be saved. So typically what happens is those who believe baptism saves, what do they always believe with it? What's the doctrine that always follows it? That you can lose it. Always. Always. And why do they always, why does that, why do you think baptism is a part of salvation? Why do you think it, losing your salvation is always connected with that doctrine? Why do you think it's always connected? Well, it's always connected because how many bazillions of people have been baptized who basically either grow up and don't believe it or just reject it? Well, so then they got to explain it. Well, then, then, then you see the problem. Well, if baptism is a work of God, then why does it not work? Well, then we can stop the work. 
Well, then baptism is, then you can't say baptism produces these things if you, for some reason, people can be baptized and it doesn't produce those things. So then they have to try to work this convoluted system that you, you can, well, then the whole thing can fall. Well, the whole thing turns into a salvation by works is what it turns into, no matter how much you want to get around it. So, but what I want to establish is baptizo means immersion. There's no question about it, but it doesn't always mean water. So we can be immersed into water, submerged into water, and spiritually speaking, we can be immersed, submerged into Christ. We are in Christ, and how are we in Christ? By faith. And we are united in him in his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's in that unity with him that we... Look, in Christ, I'm dead. In Christ, I'm raised to walk newness of life. In practice, I'm not so dead. (laughs) Right? I mean, we have to acknowledge there's a difference. In my position, I'm completely dead. I'm walking a new life. I have faith. Everything's great. In practice, oh man, the old me is still very, 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 very much alive. We all have to acknowledge that. To deny that would just deny basics of reality. So, we have, so let's go back to Matthew 3. We'll come back to that Romans passage, but this is all. So, so, so far, the first use of baptism, or, ba- or uh, any variation of it, is in Matthew 3.6. What do we learn here? Is baptized as baptizo. It means to immerse, make fully wet. So we, this clearly establishes the mode of baptism, yes? Do you not agree this establishes the mode? Second, does this not establish the candidates for baptism? Someone who can confess their sins. All right? That seems to establish the basic principle. Now, I know this is John's baptism, but I just want to say it's establishing a principle, yes? The second time it's used is verse 11. And there, there's no, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Okay, this is connected to repentance. We could have a discussion there. Okay. And then the next time it's used, the fourth time it's used, or the third time, the third time it's used, what do we find? Uh, is, is Matthew 3.11, Matthew 3.11, that baptize you, is, that's still baptizo, is it not? Okay, it's baptizo, and, it me, and the third thing, the, the thing that's established here is baptism does not always refer to water baptism. So we have established the mode, we've established the proper candidates, and we've established baptism does not always refer to water. Agreed? I'm probably getting someone online disagreeing with me right now, but I think we can at least establish this, correct? At least I think so. All right, then where's the next place it's used? Is it not Matthew 3.13? Do we have agreement that that's the next place? Okay. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized, is what Greek word? 
It's baptizo, right? Everybody agree? Baptizo? So we're, we're still there. Now Jesus comes. Now, yeah, so now Jesus is coming. Let's, let's make sure we understand. Is he eight days old? No. Is he 12 years old? Is he 15? Is he 20? We think he's 30. We think he's around 30 years of age here. Right? Now, I'm not saying that proves anything, but it does demonstrate that, look, hey, if you're going to establish infant baptism, you could have, you could have had John baptize him when? Yeah, I mean, he showed up as a newborn. You could establish Jesus being baptized eight days old when he was circumcised, right? It didn't happen, did it? Now, I know Presbyterians and Lutherans and Catholics will say, that's such a stupid thing. That's a straw man. Oh, that's so ridiculous. I don't know if it's ridiculous when you build an entire system on infant baptism and Jesus himself wasn't baptized as a baby. I don't know. I don't think that that's stupid. I think that's a reasonable, I think it's a reasonable observation or a reasonable objection. I think it's reasonable. Because if we're going to establish an entire system, Jesus himself waits to he's an adult. Agreed? I, I, think it's, I think it's at least reasonable to point out. I know that people would argue, but okay. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to point it out, all right? So he, uh, and then uh, verse 14, but John forbade him saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. Is that baptizo? Verse 14, is that baptizo? Okay, right, you always scare me with those pauses, okay? All right, so we're st- so far, baptizo, 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 right? We're, we, there's no, we don't have to figure any weird thing out. Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be now, for thus it becometh to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, and Jesus, when he was, is that baptizo? went up straightway out of the water, clearly seeming to indicate Jesus is where? In the water. The water wasn't taken out and sprinkled three times on his head. Now, a couple of other things. There is nothing in this text that indicates they took off all their clothes. I don't know what in the world was going on in the early church with nude baptisms, but there's nothing here that indicates they were stripping down. Right? <laughs> right. Okay. I know. I know. I feel like, and you stuck around for a while because not only were you nude. Remember, you had to go through. You had to be exercised with the demon, and and then you had oil, and you had two people standing on side of you, and they passed you down. Like you were just walking around like without any clothes. Right? It was a weird way of doing early baptism. But yeah, most people don't realize that that's the way. Now I understand they had a different. Uh, American, some would refer to it the puritanical view of nudity in America is very different than the view of nudity at that time, but we can get a whole discussion about that. But, uh, yeah, it's just, there's nothing here that says, hey, Jesus, take off all your clothes. There's nothing that seems to indicate that. And I would argue they had no problem spending time talking about clothing in this passage, did they not? Because right in Matthew 3, does someone's clothing, is it not described? So you think you can take a little bit of time saying, and all the people came to John and took off all of their clothes. 
So I don't think there's anything here that indicates nude baptism. Agreed? Now, you could understand why maybe they decided to go with nude. Why do you think maybe nude baptism even showed up in church history? Why do you think it did? It's symbolic, right? You're stripping off the old, and then after you're baptized, they put on a new robe, right? So, you, but hey, just because something is good symbolic doesn't mean it's necessarily a good idea, okay? right? I could probably come up with lots of good symbolism. I'm not saying we should probably use, come up, hey, this could be a good symbol. Okay, well, I don't think, you know, I, I, I don't think that should work, right? Agreed? Okay, so uh, we're in verse 16, and Jesus, he was baptized, came up out of the water, all right? Uh, then the Spirit of God descending of a dove, lighting upon him, and a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now immediately, we know a couple of things. Obviously what happens to Jesus' baptism is not something we prescribe that the way it works for us, because when you're baptized, God doesn't speak from heaven. All right, so clearly we know there's a unique thing going on here. You don't make that, this is descriptive, it's not prescriptive. But we at least can establish what? So, so what have we established so far in, in this baptism? We haven't made it far. Do we have a mode? Seemingly that it is immersion. It just over and over from the Greek word to how the, it's described, everything screams immersion. Second, who are the candidates? Those who can confess sins. In fact, the very first example is someone who's around 30 years of age. All right? Okay, true, agreed. All right? What else do we have? That baptizo does not always refer to water. So far, so good. All right? How far have we made it? All right? We haven't made it very far. All right? Um, We're going to have to stop there. The next place that it's used Okay, everyone, let's find at least the next use. Let's make sure we're all good. Okay, so. Um, okay, chapter 20. Did you have one before it, Stephen? All right, so chapter 20 is the next place. The next place is Matthew 20. If anyone has one before it, we need to make sure we can find that, but at least, at least get there. We won't look at it now. He said Matthew 20, right? All right. Okay, all right. Well, we'll stop right here. All right, but we, we, we'll just make sure. And, and, and do, do, do we, can everyone look to verify that there's nothing bef- between Matthew 3 and uh, Matthew 19? Let's make sure that there's nothing there's no version of baptized, baptism, baptized. Just to make sure, let's just verify that there's nothing between chapter 3 and chapter 19. I don't think there's any other, so I think that's good. All right, I just want to make sure that we can start. I guess, I guess we'll just, and then I, I, I need to do other things in the next hour, but I think we're just going to do this. Um, and, and because we've already started, we can just see how far we can get today. We'll just make it about this and see how far we can get. Yeah, yeah. It's referring John to Baptist, right? It's not gonna, that's not going to help us any. All right, all right, cool. All right, so we're good to go. So we'll start in chapter 20. Right, so, what, so just in review, what have we established? Mode is 
immersion. There's just, no, there's just too much evidence for that, correct? Candidates? And that baptizo, baptism does not always refer to water. Anything else you think we've established so far? Okay, well, oh yeah, well, we don't, we don't have any indication that, put it this way, we don't have any evidence that they were taking off their clothes, and we clearly have no evidence of oil being admitted, we have no, I mean, we have no, all of the elaborate things that develop, that's why I love the, uh, the, the Didache, because it's just so straightforward and simple, but even, to be fair, there's also no indicating of fasting before. In fact, there's really not any indication of any extensive instruction happening. Some instruction before, because clearly you're confessing your sins, and he obviously preaches. Yeah, it comes after his baptism, not before, right? So that's a, oh, that's a good point as well. So uh, a lot of a lot of just just show you how quickly the church, even in church history, can take what scripture, right? And then the next thing you know, add, 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 add. And the church has been doing it for 2,000 years. Which is problematic. But yet everybody says, we want to go back to the early church. But nobody really wants to go back to the early church. Because if you look to Acts 2, nobody wants to do what the early church did, right? Nobody wants to sell all of their property. Nobody wants to go to church every day of the week. Nobody wants sermons going till midnight, right? So we say we want the early church. Nobody wants the early church. And then other times people say, I wish we could go back to the early church. And you're like, which early church are you referring to? You know, like the church fathers. No, because first of all, we would all be kicked out. They wouldn't even know what we, they wouldn't wouldn't know what we are. They'd be like, what are you guys talking about? They, They would think we were crazy, Right. Because our Christianity is not that Christianity. And, no, and nobody wants to hear that, but our Christianity is not their Christianity. There's been way too much difference in it. I mean, for example, I mean, do we say you have to be instructed for three years before you can even hear the gospel? And you've got to be kept separate from the rest of the church? No, 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 no. We don't even, there's nothing like, take off all your clothes to get baptized, anointed with all, all of these things? No. Fast for 24 hours before you're back. All of the things that they did, we would walk back there and we would be like, what did I just walk into? Now, you could say, it, it's troubling because we don't know why there's such a difference, but we can understand in some ways because they're operating without what? They don't have a complete Bible. So, all right. We'll stop right there. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, to continue to struggle with very important theological and doctrinal questions. And Lord, I just pray that we will maintain a desire to know the truth so that we can avoid error. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,